Yeah. Consider this question. Hmm. Consider this question. Consider this question. Consider this question. Consider this question. Welcome to Consider This Question. This conversation was recorded on Thursday morning, August the 13th, 2015. It's the first in a series of conversations about how the church should think about, respond to, and believe correctly and biblically on the issue of homosexuality. I think it's one of the better podcasts we've had in a while. It's a fascinating conversation from some really thoughtful people, so we hope you enjoy it. Welcome to another Consider This Question. I've got uh, Ryan Vincent and Drew Moss again, and we've got uh, Morgan Weiss actually joining us uh, today to kind of get her perspective on this question that we're going to be going over. Um, I'm just going to kind of state it in kind of its big picture and then kind of lead us through this discussion. Um, Obviously, this is something that has been talked about uh, a lot, uh, and, and for a number of years, actually. This is something that I think is um, anytime I'm speaking somewhere and we get to have some kind of a hot topics or some kind of a, uh, what's going on in our culture today, uh, the question about homosexuality and same-sex attraction is always near the top of everybody's agenda and interest. And so today we're going to consider the question, what should a Christian believe about homosexuality? And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll kind of jump in occasionally, but I really want to hear what you guys have to say regarding this. And I want to I begin with more of an, uh, an attitudinal or maybe even like an emotive response that we individually have. And so this is kind of, a, I guess, a personal question. Um, why do you guys believe that this issue is so difficult? Why, why do you believe that talking about homosexuality or bringing this up um, becomes such a difficult issue for, um, for us as followers of Jesus Christ today? Ryan? Well, there's, there's a number of things that I think make this more complicated than perhaps it has been in the recent history. One, social media, news yep. outlets, they are everywhere. When, when something becomes an issue in South Carolina, it is all of a sudden an issue everywhere. And so we no longer have time to process things slowly. We no longer have, it's something happens and we must react immediately, or at least that's how we feel. Yep. And, and I think that it, it causes a lot of anxiety in a lot of us that it's, what are we going to have to deal with tomorrow? And, and what am I going to all of a sudden have to have an answer for um, um, tomorrow? And so social media has complicated things a little bit, and, and we have to deal with things faster than we have uh, in, in the past. Another thing that really makes it frustrating for me is there's this, there's this false dichotomy out there where if I don't affirm everything you love and believe, I hate you. Yeah. And, and, and I just I don't understand how that that is true in this arena and yeah. not in others. It's a very inconsistent way of thinking. And yeah. yet, when it comes to things like homosexuality, um, a women's right to choose, it's it's it, it that's the that's the paradigm. If I if I can't affirm everything about you, um, whether that is homosexuality, transgenderism, I I hate you. Yeah. And I just I, I, that makes it very frustrating for me to engage on this. Well, and let's be honest, because I think that's also like we act that way as a church, right? I mean, collectively, when when people have an opinion that's opposed to ours, we go, well, why don't they like us? I think we're about to be persecuted. So, you know, I, I think I, I think that's very insightful. And I also think that we need to realize that's us, too. Sure. We, we have that same attitude. So what Ryan is describing is not a them. It's actually an all of us issue. Morgan, how would you 
describe um, why you believe this issue is is so difficult to talk about? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons. One of them is there's a lot of objections and questions that you will get um, that are all all have to be dealt with individually, and it seems like it's easier to know like one answer. And so if we have our one answer and then someone ask, was to ask me, have an objection, what about other sins in the Bible? Or um, what if it's a monogamous committed relationship? Or there are all the, who are you to say who someone can and can't love? What if God created me this way? There's a lot of objections that each have to be dealt with individually. Yeah. And so because of that, I might know one, have a one faceted answer and it it might freak me out if someone asks me another question. So it seem it seemingly the question or the objection is very weighty, and it's and it's um, legit. It's yeah. a legit question. It's yeah. not a fluffy. Oh, I can come up with an answer to that. You know, it's something that's going to have to be very studied and dealt with. Okay, let's talk about this one objection, this one um, question that you have. So I think that's one of the reasons. Yeah, I mean, it's we, we deal with this a lot of times. Why do we share our faith? Well, because I'm going to be asked questions that I don't know. So, hey, I, I want to talk about this controversial subject unless it's with people I agree with because they're going to ask me stuff I don't know how to respond to. That's good. Drew? That was very good. Um, you know, I think that for the last, uh, say, 40, 50 years, sex has really moved like more and more uh, central to our culture um, so that in a, you know that it's become such a fundamental part of who we are, fundamental part of our identity. That anytime you try to say to someone to put a restriction on um, who they sleep with or or what they can do with their body, it really is seen as um, basically fighting against a fundamental human right and and actually a fight against their very identity um, to deny something that seems to be at the heart of who they are, right? And and so I think that's big. Also, even on, so that's almost more of a, I don't know what you want to say, surface level, or we may not consider that as important, but even our fascination in our culture or our belief that um, romantic relationships are crucial to our fulfillment, um, and, and that, in a sense, that if I can't find that person who will help to make me happy, then my life is somehow incomplete. And so what this feels like is we're giving people, when, when the church tries to restrict and say you cannot be involved in a same-sex relationship, it really does feel like we're saying to a lot of people, you are forced to live a more lonely life or a less complete life. And so it, it doesn't, it, it comes down to a lot of people, it's not so much the political charge thing, but it's really like, so is, this is what you're leaving me with? Um, and, and a lot of that's because the way the culture and even the church has been guilty of, of making singleness feel like it is a lesser or second-class option sometimes. And if one of my rights as an American is the pursuit of happiness, you're like literally cutting against one of my inalienable rights. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, no, I think that's good. Um, I think that there's some guys writing recently on that the church needs to do a better job of having a theology of singleness. Yes. Um, not, not even saying that that's the only option for those who struggle with same-sex attraction, but we don't have a good theology um, kind of at a deeper root in terms of who we are. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, here, here's one thing that I find interesting is that uh, my perception of how the culture has uh, characterized the church has been somewhat monolithic, you know, somewhat just this one-dimensional look. Everybody who goes to church, everybody who's a fundamental Christian, not all Christians, but the fundamental Christians, um, the real Bible-believing ones, uh, don't like homosexuals, are afraid of them. That's kind of a, a lot of the general tone. And yet, for those of us on the inside, we, we I, I kind of have a hard time hearing that because it just doesn't seem to correspond to what's going on. 
And I also would say, I mean, things are changing in the church, and it's not just Rob Bell. I mean, things are, 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 are quickly changing in the church. I can sense even attitudinally, not just even in individuals, but in that collective attitude that we're having. And so mm-hmm. I want to hear what you guys think about how you see um, these changes actually taking place. And uh, yeah. Drew, I want to begin with you. So why don't you tell, what are, and you're in the college ministry here yeah. at Sunnybrook. And so talk about how you have seen these changes happen. And you're still almost the youngest guy in the room. You're still yeah. what, 12? How yep. old are you? No, it's, it's around there somewhere. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I think, I think th- there's really, as I was thinking about this, there, there really are a number of changes, but, but they're not even all negative. So our first yep. thought is to go, man, this is all like the churches, you know, going to hell in a handbasket with all this stuff. There is that, especially amongst the younger generations, a greater tendency to move with the culture because we don't want to get quote left on the wrong side of history. And we don't want to be in, in a day, as Ryan said, where it's considered hateful and, and for millennials being hateful or mean is like the, the worst thing you can be labeled. And so to, to, to call something sin, for that to be considered hateful, we just don't want to. So it really is easy for the church, like I said, especially younger generations, to move with the culture and to grow more lenient on something like this. Um, but I would say there, there is also a positive um, aspect in that um, for a long time. Like I believe that people have been in the church wrestling with same-sex attraction for a lot longer than we've been sure. talking about yeah. it. And yeah. for a long time, I think you were forced to wrestle with that in isolation yeah. because the church had nothing for you. And we didn't know what to do with that. And, and over the last couple of years, I've seen the church begin to grow more open with that. And, and it's becoming a safer place um, for people to talk about their struggles. And I mean, I think that that's an incredibly positive aspect of some of this. So. Yeah. And, it, and I think it's really good. I mean, I don't know how many unbelievers, how many people who are on the other side of the church divide um, are hearing this, but I think it's good for them to hear. Like that's a genuine, honest response uh, that this is a, a, a safe place to ask some honest questions about some difficult topics. Ryan, what's uh, what, what's been your take on on the change that's happening inside the church? Attitudinally, sure. sure. Um, I, I think this this new intensification of the, this issue being really at our doorsteps over the last couple of years. I think it has been good, like Drew has said. We now have, I think for the longest time, we didn't have people dealing with this at a high, intelligent level. And all of a sudden, we are being forced to, as a church at large, answer certain questions that are more complicated. And now, all of a sudden, we have guys like Kevin DeYoung and Wesley Hill and Christopher Ewan and Sam Alberry that are writing very, very thoughtfully on this subject. And not even that they all necessarily agree with one another, but they are wrestling with the scriptures and they are wrestling with how does this honestly play itself out in the local church. And I think it's so good that we're now having good conversations, not just, well, there's this verse in Leviticus and that solves it. They're saying, no, like that might just solve it, but let's, let's talk about how this really works itself out in the church. And so it's been, I think, a very good thing that this has kind of bubbled up to the top and we're having to deal with this um, in, in a greater way. Another way that I'm seeing it um, being engaged in the church is that you'll have people, and we can we can characterize it as a, as a conservative uh, wing of the church. You'll have people that say, "Yes, I still understand that this is a considered a sin, and that it is um, against God's design for human sexuality." But this is one of those really difficult sins to sanctify, so we need to go a little soft on it. And I see it, say, so they'll, they'll have an orthodox idea of it. And it's then, wrong. 
it's wrong. And then they will, they will all of a sudden say, but we're going to push that to the edge of the issues. Like, I'm not going to necessarily deal with that. We're going to be as affirming as we can without running people off and not change our, not change our minds. And this is where it gets really, really complicated, but we're going to go soft on that because that sin is so complicated to deal with. And, and, and I just think like, I, I even love the heart. It tells me that there's someone who really cares about another human being that's been made in the image of God. It just practically, it fails on so many levels in terms of how your orthodoxy, you know, what you believe in your orthopraxy, what you actually do, how those mesh together. And they don't seem to be informing one another anymore. I like how you reminded um, us and those that are listening that the church is willing to talk about this. Sure. Like we really are, even though we may not get it all right, that there really is a, um, a deeper way, a more introspective and a more trying to be biblically faithful to the bigger picture that we're not trying to throw. In the past, I've always been frustrated with throwing a verse at a at an issue. Well, the Bible says this about whatever, tattoos or same-sex attraction. The Bible just says this, it's done. And I've always thought, no, that's not a good way to do with it because that's the, also the reason why we have the wrong text to talk about smoking or the wrong text to talk about, um, well, another number of topics. Um, so I like that. Uh, Morgan, what do you have for us? What, what do you see happening? Well, one of the biggest things that I see happening is it can be positive or negative depending on which way people go, but either you're going to start thinking more critically and you're going to start studying scripture um, holistically and understanding what it says so you can have an understanding and a worldview and a mindset and a response um, of even how to raise your children and teach your children on this issue and how to talk to your friends and your coworkers and your spouse on this issue. Or you're going to, I think, not like kind of like Vincent was saying, not, you're not going to be able to stomach the issue and you're just going to um, choose not to say anything or continue to do this affirming thing without ever talking about the problem or the, the issue at hand. Um, or you're going to take the objections and the um, questions that people have and you're going to be insulted and you can't see past those, those objections or those insults and so you just get angry and you just thump a certain verse. And so I think those, those are issues I see happening is people, I can see people so afraid of being accused of being a hater, I guess, that they choose not to speak on it. And it just stays as a personal conviction. And especially to me as a, as a parent, um, if, you, if you are a parent or you um, are close to anyone that's 12 years old or older, they're already forming their opinions on this issue. Yeah. It's the, t it's their, this is normal conversation for them to have with their peers and their friends. And so if we look at the future of the church, this is very important for us to start digging in and figuring this out. And I also think another way it's going to change, um, the church is that as we are studying and thinking critic more critically, I think it's going to bring up a whole lot of other issues that we're going to then have to deal with that could potentially really strengthen us. I think as believers. So that makes me really excited. Um, the scary part is there are also, I think be people that walk away because of all the issues that, that this one will cause us to rethink because of the objections that we're going to have to answer. So, I heard some, heard somebody say the other day that the, the new unforgivable sin culturally is just not being nice. Right. And I think that what you described in terms of being a hater, it, I mean, it affects all of us. It affects me. Um, you know, I might come across sometimes as somebody that doesn't really care what people think. Um, and hopefully if that ever is the case, it's because I'm trying to appeal to the truth that God wants me to speak as opposed to how people feel about me. But I, 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 I'm concerned about this. I don't want to be, uh, I think probably my biggest fear is that I don't want to be just dismissed. 
mm-hmm. because, you know, Jim's just not nice. So I wouldn't even waste our time talking about this. And I think, you know, I think that's why a lot of people are afraid. I feel a little bit like it's the Seinfeld episode where they're talking about a very uh, kind of a hot topic. And then they just keep looking at each other and saying, I don't even think we should be talking about this. You know, it's, yeah. and they keep doing it over and, yeah. over and over again. Should yeah. we be having this conversation? I don't yeah. feel comfortable right now. Yeah. And right. again, if we all agree, then it's, there's no problem. It's when we enter into the public sector, when we enter into social media and mm-hmm. we start having this conversation, we start going, I don't know if I feel, should we be, should we be talking about this? What words do we use to make sure that we're mm-hmm. dealing with it properly? Um, kind of, in a, I'm going to ask you to do this a little quicker um, and we'll go in the same order that we just did. But have your, and I'm talking, like, I don't think any of your doctrines have changed, right? Like none of your beliefs yeah. have changed. Is that correct? Drew? Yes. Morgan? Yeah, none of them changed. None of them no. changed? I'm good. Okay. So none of your, none of your ideas have changed. But then the attitude, has that changed over the last, mm-hmm. say, five to 10 years? Um, and so talk, talk briefly, Drew, and then uh, Ryan, and then Morgan, about how your attitude has changed as culture has shifted. Yeah. Well, my attitude's changed because this has become, over the last five, six years for me, more than an issue. It's become people. Um, it's become faces. And, and uh, I used to think about this, I think, a lot more simply. Um, whereas there's people who are just choosing to do wicked things. And I'm realizing that there are a number of people who have um, spent many nights praying for God to take away feelings that they don't want, and those feelings aren't leaving. And so it just helped me to have a greater, to, to recognize the complexity of all of this, and I think to have a greater love of compassion and grace as one broken person towards another, you know? That's good. Ryan. Yeah, I've my my sympathy for those who experience same sex attraction has has gone up over the years. I, I've had a number of conversations with men who struggle with this, and um, you know it just breaks my heart that they they sit in churches and and many times whether whether this is true or not, they feel as though they don't have a strong community to turn to, and when and when they when they completely embrace the SSA lifestyle. I find that one of the biggest triggers for that was they found a very loving community and it wasn't the church. And so that just breaks my heart. So I have sympathy for those who struggle with this. And then I have more, real, more sympathy. Sure. Yeah, increasing, like increasing, levels, increasing of, levels of compassion and sympathy. Yes. And then, and then I have an increasing level of concern for the church's response that we, that we do. And, you know, with holding on to our doctrine, extend loving arms to those who are struggling to become Christ-like as well. Okay. Morgan? I agree with what they said, but for the sake of not just repeating what you guys (laughs) said, um, another thing that has changed for me is I've become really increasingly convicted to um, speak to this issue um, because of people that I see that aren't struggling with this issue, but have opinions because they have people have become faces for them, you know, and so then they don't know what to do. And so I watch it kind of rocking their whole world and their whole understanding of scripture and their whole understanding of God. And is God compassionate and loving? And if so, then why would he do this? And those types of things. So when I watch their, you know, minds, minds being shaped, um, that's convicting to me. And then whenever I go to older and wiser Christians and their faith. And I say, what, what do we do? And they say, I don't even know what to say. I don't know how to respond to this. That's convicting to me because we can't not respond. So, yeah. 
and, and I was going to say, when you first said that, I thought, and that is, that actually kind of lines up with how God has even wired you. You, you, yeah. you don't have any problem. No. Um, I don't think any of us do, but Morgan, you know, specifically, people not, not might know you as well as we do. Right. And I've always loved the fact that you, whether it's a staff meeting or something else, you have no problem going, hey, I'm going to speak up. I don't think this yeah. is right. Something's broken. Your dad has said that that has been a part of Morgan's life since she was a little girl. It has been. So the issues have changed for young Morgan Weiss as she's become <laughs> yeah. an older Morgan Weiss, but the attitude, God is, God is forming her well. Yeah. Um, so then let's just get right to it. I mean, we just got a little bit of time left, but um, let me just get right at it. And Ryan, I'm going to begin with you. So what should a Christian believe about homosexuality? <laughs> <laughs> All right. How much time do we have left? Three yeah. Well, I mean, no, I mean, it would, it's not like we have like seconds left. We're not sure, winding down sure. that quickly, but this is, let's just hit it. Okay. Um. First and foremost, I think that a Christian's belief about homosexuality is a, it is an offshoot of a Christian's understanding of sexual ethics at large. And we must begin with marriage and look at, say, how did God design humans to interact sexually? And then say, any deviation from how God designed that falls short of his plan for humanity, and to miss the mark is the literal definition for sin. And so and you, you, you start there and you say, logically, this is a sin, although it isn't mentioned for some time in the scriptures. And then when it is, it is considered unrighteous. In a number of vice lists, it is wrapped up as, as an unrighteous way of living. And then um, Romans 1 speaks quite clearly that this is both unnatural and it comes under God's judgment. And so those can be very stark ideas and they can, be, they can hurt those who struggle with this, but I think that we, what we want to do is we want to deal with the facts and then struggle with the emotions later. Like I, I don't, I, 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 sometimes I get concerned that I have a tendency to pander to emotions because I really just don't want to hurt you. And, and in doing so, I'll avoid the, the, the brutal facts, that, that the reality of the world that God has created and how he's ordered it. Okay. Um, Morgan. Obviously understanding what scripture has to say about it, I think is where you start. Um, but I would say even to um, what does the Bible say about what is most central to our identity as people. And so that's something that you, you can, you struggle, everybody struggles with that. And so um, saying that now that it's become same sex marriage is the law of the land, then what that does is it kind of rearranges what marriage means altogether and the purpose of people in marriage. And so then it, it begs all of these sorts of questions. I found myself as a single person, things coming up, just studying this issue, like, oh, that makes sense. That applies to me. There are certain things that apply to me, not all of it, right? But um, just this idea of, yeah, I've identified myself um, through my sexuality before or through, my, through being a woman before. When that's really not when I'm looking at scripture, that's not the primary identif- um, identifier, I guess, of who I am. Lens. Right. Yeah. Lens. That's yeah. the right word. Thank Lens. you. Yep. So um, I think that's really, really important is that when we're talking about it, we really distinguish and study, okay, so what is central to our identity as people who follow Jesus Christ? So Romans 6 is what I think, and um, and Genesis 1 and 2, and I'm just thinking how how we are image of Christ and what what does that mean, you know? And so starting starting from this core point and then going outward, I think, is pretty important. Drew? Um, yeah, I, to go back to what Ryan said, like, I really do believe that um, we want to hold to the biblical sexual ethic when we talk about these things, but um, and, and to 
I would say we want to make sure we consistently hold to the biblical sexual ethic in that. Um, what I'm grateful for, this is this has forced my hand to be more consistent on the Bible all the way around. Where I, even I, when I, it's not, ta- I would even argue, even when it's not talking about sexual stuff. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. But so I, I can't, I, I can't pick and choose the things in there that I want to obey based on the convenience or the popularity or those things, and I can't pick and choose based on well, this might hurt some people's feelings if I, if I take Jesus's stance on divorce, right? Um, like that, that might be unpopular, but but I can't waver on that while saying we need to hold firm on same-sex behavior, yep. right? And yep. I can't waver on greed in America, and then and then say, but but we're not giving in on the same-sex thing. Like I, I gotta be able to hold consistently to God's word, and and at the root of that is like I really want to operate from this belief that God is good, and what he what he calls us to, no matter how hard it may feel for us, I trust that. It is good and it is right, and that my life is—I find the greatest amount of joy in living the way yeah. He's called me to. So, and, and not to put you on the spot, but do I think that you'd probably be able to speak to this best? You used a phrase there. Could you explain to everyone the difference? And I think it's important—the difference between same-sex attraction and same-sex behavior. Yeah, that yeah. is real good. Yeah. So we we do we differentiate. I, I I differentiate, and I think it's safe to say everyone at Sunnybrook differentiates yep. between same-sex behavior in which you are actively pursuing a lifestyle in this and same-sex. And I would say willing, like um, yes, yes, almost unhindered, like yes, yeah, just, yeah. On, even on the behavior side, yeah. yeah. And and say what we would just call same-sex attraction, which is a a an orientation towards. Um, attraction towards the same sex, towards the same gender. And, and I believe that it is possible to have those feelings and that those feelings in you are a sign of brokenness, just like my feelings for wanting to gather more and more stuff for myself and not be generous. That's a sign of brokenness. Mm-hmm. But, but you can have those feelings without acting on them. And so to, to be attracted to people of the same sex doesn't make you necessarily sinful. Um, uh, those are those are feelings that that we learn to work through and live with, um, but but we do we differentiate between having feelings, which is a sign of brokenness, and and acting on those feelings, which is just a sign of rebellion and and sin. Yeah, and again, acting on them. This is where it always gets interesting. Yeah, yeah, acting yeah. on them in a way where you're embracing them. And Unre- I, and I, unrepentant. Unrepentant embrace. And yeah. I really think it's important for us to kind of make those tougher differentiations. Yeah. Because um, I'm assuming that I'm not the only one in this room that struggles with things and mm-hmm. continues to go back to those things and experiencing some redemption and some even some restoration and some transformation, some uh, regeneration by the power of the Holy Spirit. But then I still have some similar struggles and, sure. and God is refining me. And so that's one of the parts that uh, I think it's good for us to, to even differentiate. You know, Sam Albury in his book, Is God Anti-Gay?, um, says, confesses, uh, he's a confessing Christ, Christ follower. Mm. And he says, I don't really like to be termed, this is his confession, I don't like to be termed as or defined as a homosexual because there's so much more with that. Yeah. But I, I do suffer from, um, endure through same-sex attraction. Yeah. And so he talks about it in those terms, and that was really helpful for me to see. Yeah. Um, I really love that paradigm. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, this isn't on our, uh, this might surprise you a little bit. I find it fascinating that there was one word that none of you, all of you believe it, yet none of you said it. Here, here's what, you know, how, what should a Christian believe? We, we need to have a consistent sexual ethic. We need to have um, kind of a strong Christian identity. We need to be consistent in our biblical applicational approach. Are we assuming that everyone knows that we think it's a, 
you know, uh, don't, don't, no, don't. I said that, the word. Did, I no, said you the word too. Yes, I, did. I said it falls short of the mark, which is by definition sin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you, Joel Olstein. I said um, sinful and rebellious is my. Okay. So I'm going to go and back I and think. check this out. Because I was, I was really listening close. And hear me. I know. Play I'm the not, tape back, me, Steve. No, Play it back. But here's what I'm not accusing any of you guys of being cowardly in it. I think that I, I, if I could just, if I could offer my critique, okay, and you guys can disagree with me. I think you're trying to be so, not cowardly, but you're trying to be so um, understood. You're trying to be right. so compassionate right. that we're wanting to make sure that, um, and that's why even a little bit of the danger, even the part where I even understand those preachers who say, you know, I'm not going to just become the hellfire and brimstone guy because I don't want that to, um, again, to kind of disqualify the rest of my conversation with them. Sure. So sometimes right. when people want me to come down harder on Planned Parenthood or whatever, um, yeah. I, I'm not afraid to talk about what I think about abortion or what I think about same-sex attraction and homosexuality right. and all that. Um, it's just that all of these terms are loaded. But I, I'll, I'll go back and I will take a look. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting that, so what should a Christian think? I mean, and none of us said, I, we, Christians should believe that homosexuality is a sin. Yeah. But we all yep. believe that. We do. So I find that. And this is, again, several of us said that. <laughs> and and I have to say I have to say too that was from Joel Olstein the, the way. difference that's one of the things that you're talking about about um, at same sex attraction versus sure. like same sex practice yeah. is that's one of I think one of an important even identifier in in saying those is when you say I'm someone who struggles with same sex attraction you're not defining yourself as that person that's a that's a verb adjective whatever it's not a i don't know i don't know it's not a, a vergative it's not it's, a when you say a part of english yeah, grammar when you say i am homosexual yeah. that is a i am it's a noun this yeah. is who i am so and so i think that's important and then the other thing is we can't talk about everything on this issue yeah. this time yep. and so when we say we have to understand it from a biblical perspective the bible is what says this is yeah a sin and so I think we'll talk more about that in yeah. the future. No, and we will. And I, I just, I thought it was, again, I thought it was interesting because I think that the people are yeah. listening are going, are they going to call it a sin or not? And, yeah. and, and I would also say this, that as much as I totally agree and love what you guys challenged us to do, because you went to the highest level and said, listen, before we categorize it as anything, um, even though we all are on the same page, we've got to tie it into this because we haven't done that in the past. Right. And although we all agree, we've got to, so I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm really not, you know, kind of undercutting that. I just, I think it explains a little bit, and, and maybe it's just maybe I'm talking about myself. It explains a little bit why I am more. Con I, I feel more comfortable talking about let's have a consistent sexual ethic than the the behavior that you were involved in as a gay man or a lesbian yeah. woman is just not right. It's what what's your new word for sin, Ryan? It misses the mark. That's it's actually not a new the, word. the technical I, definition yeah. oh. for. Thing. The Greek word, which um, you used to teach. Um, here's here's a question. Here, let me let me let me say, let me offer up a bit of a defense. When issues like this, I think, bubble to the top and they are at a firestorm, that's where I think. Well, I I that's really want to make sure I will go out of my way to make sure that I am clearly understood. I want to be clear. I don't want to be I don't want to be deceptive and use language that's ambiguous. But I do want to be clear. Because I have, with a, with a mouth that gets away from me at times, I have learned over the years that there are incredibly wrong ways to be right. And they hurt people. And so I'm trying very, on this very sensitive issue, I'm trying very, very, um, uh, trying more than normal to make sure that whatever I say is clearly understood and not taken as 
um, the the characterization of the ridiculous Christians. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's interesting, though, if I were to say, hey, guys, let's do a, a session on domestic violence and husbands who physically assault their wives. Let's just talk about So what should a person think about physically assaulting their spouse? Mm-hmm. You know, I really think that, first of all, we need to understand um, where the <laughs> abuser is coming from. And we, you know what we really need to do? We need to understand it's a, it's a bigger issue. It's a bigger... I, I really think that if we were to have that conversation, it would be much more of you don't punch people mm-hmm. like you don't hit people. I, I think the tone would be different. And I and I, I don't know if I have the exact answer for that. I find yeah. that fascinating, though, that on some subjects, it's just clearly we all agree. And maybe this is what's happening. Maybe that's kind of why we're in the middle of this. Um, we're in the middle of the middle of the wave or we're in the middle of the of the shift. And so in the end, it's a little more complicated. Because That's why it's we're, so sticky. It's, yeah, it is. It's really a sticky mm-hmm. subject because yeah. on the things that we, I mean, literally the church and the world agree on, you don't abuse your spouse. Yep. Right. right. Like it's, I don't know anybody that would argue, well, you know, there are certain cases in which, no, you don't abuse your spouse. That is yeah. the cultural tone. It is the, it is the church tone. And so in the end, we can get straight to it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then right now, when you've got this divergence, when you're afraid to be misunderstood, you have a different attitude. I think it's good for us as Christians maybe to then to remind people we need to have more of a conversation so that we can get around to the fullness of this. Mm-hmm. Right. That what I'm trying to do at the very beginning is speak intentionally and carefully so that you'll continue to listen to me. Cause if not, yes. people are just going to dismiss us. But it sounds like then we're going to have to talk about this again. Is that what you guys think we need to, what are mm-hmm. some other things that you think maybe we need to be talking about in the, in the future? This, you know, we'll probably come back here in the next few weeks or so and kind of do a part two, part three on this. What are some other things that we need to address? I'd love to talk through um, the different uh, arguments for affirming same-sex behavior. Kind of, the, these are the things that, that the world is saying. This is the thing that certain branches of the church or people from within the church are saying. These are reasons why we should affirm it. Sure. And to kind of say, talk about how we would respond to those things. As Morgan said, it's multifaceted. And, and to just have one answer or one verse, it's, it's important to be able to think well-rounded about this. That's so, good. Yeah. That'd be good. Any of you have any? I mean, I think we'll obviously talk about like what the Bible specifically teaches about it, um, yep. you know, and then yep. we, I think we need to go back and maybe even answer some of these questions. That you, I mean, I think you're right. The sexual ethic, our identity as followers of Jesus Christ and what that means and, and, and literally going back and applying other parts of the Bible so that we're more consistent all the way through um, kind of apply to yeah. this. And so I think we'll do that in the future. Morgan, are you, you going to say something? Yeah, well, I could always say something, but um, yes. And what I was going to say is if you start looking at all those issues, then that's when like you just better buckle up because that's that's where you're going to be. Yeah, I am convicted because I have separated those from sins in my own life or yeah. I have separated it from how I thought through divorce or how I thought through, like I said, singleness or mm-hmm. how I thought through. And so there's going to be a whole lot of growth that takes place in a whole lot of other areas when you start dealing with each because. Indiv- Answering an objection is going to bring up a whole other issue yep. that has nothing to do with homosexuality. Yeah. yeah. And so. Yeah, we're going to have to deal in the future. Like, this is going to force us to to better discuss monogamous heterosexual marriage. We're going to have to have a good theology of singleness in the church. Yep. Community. Um, Co- exactly. Yeah, community exactly. becomes another big one, too. And I think all of this kind of falls under the umbrella of this really is a gospel issue. Because yeah. more than sexual ethics, right? More than that. We have a society at large and large sections of the church that are trying to redefine a broad spectrum of sin as virtues. 
And so that when you start to do that, you're messing with things that Jesus died for. So this very much is a gospel issue, and that's why we got to talk about it. That's good. You know, it's interesting, um, as we close, I've had a, a lot of friends of mine, um, particularly my past, past professors at college where I used to teach, and it's really interesting how um, I've heard them. Uh, you know, it's, it's real popular right now, and at least the guys I hang around with, to, um, to go off against greed to go off against kind of that imperialistic capitalism and we're all rich and we need to care for the poor and they will go off on it because it's in the vice lists. I can't remember any of those guys ever talking about this issue in the same way. And I, I, I really genuinely am concerned that things are changing and I don't have an answer to that question. But when I hear people talk about, you know, why aren't we talking about greed? Why aren't we talking about, I'm going, actually everybody is. And they're not going, you know, to talk about greed, we first need to understand that it's a bigger issue. And I don't think we need to label, I think we need to be careful about greed. I mean, there are some guys who are saying that's, no, it's wrong. It's called greed. It's just painfully wrong. And I think the only reason why it just get answered so quickly is because everybody's on the same page with greed. And we need to get on the same page, biblical page, not Jim's page, not Sunnybrook's page, but Christ's page, God's words page. And that's why we're having this conversation. We're glad that you joined us today. Really appreciate these three. Um, so grateful for uh, the ministry that they're doing. Um, I hope you know them. For those of you that are listening, I hope you know them well because uh, what they share really comes from their heart and uh, really kind of flows from their ministry. Uh, so I'm going to ask you to even to pray for Sunnybrook and for the leadership as we begin to have some very interesting and powerful conversations about how do we respond, not so that we can be popular, but so that we can be faithful. Love you guys, and uh, we'll catch you next time on this podcast.